Well, one of the things that's really important is for them to, number one, begin to see their future. You know, what does your future look like? And then we start to calculate, well, what does that cost to live the future that you want? And so slowly we go through this process of them understanding how important it is, how money, how important money is to the decisions that they make during their divorce. Because in so many instances, the things that they think they want at the moment are not the things that are going to get them to where they need to be in the future. Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. Certified divorce coach and credentialed mediator Paulette Rigo invites you to grab a favorite beverage, find a cozy seat, soothe your soul, and take a listen. This podcast was created and inspired by our courageous journeys, love for connecting with others, and having meaningful conversations that teach, impact, and heal through sharing our stories. In each episode, Paulette will be joined by some of the most experienced and compelling experts in all things divorce and transformation. Listen to prepare and thrive through the toughest chapters as we reveal our hardships, celebrate our lessons learned, and see the future clearly with encouragement, hope, and joy. Leave feeling empowered and prepared to approach life and maintain our dignity no matter what. Each podcast episode focuses on sharing real conversations from real life situations. Isn't it time you thrived? Welcome to the Thriving in Chaos Project. I am Paulette Rigo, your host, and today I am really honored to have Patricia Stallworth join me. She is a financial autonomy coach. I didn't know there was such a thing, but today we're going to dig into that world and find out more about what that means. Patricia is the founder of P.S. Worth, where she takes women, predominantly women, through navigating the financial journey with poise and, and excellence. So welcome to the show, Patricia. Thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me. It is an honor. I also want to point out that Patricia is an author of what I found to be a phenomenal title, How to Get Divorced Without Losing Your Blouse. Because we always hear about don't lose your shirt, don't lose your shirt. And ladies, you know, I mean, yeah, we wear shirts, but we pretty much wear blouses. So Patricia, I'd like to start at the beginning. I was really thrilled to have met you as most of us have recently at so many online virtual networking events, because let's face it, the days of conferences, retreats, um, just everything in that world is different right now. We don't exactly know when and if it might go back to some semblance of familiarity or comfort of what a life we previously knew. Um, I like to use that instead of the word normal because who knows what normal is. And when you've gone through divorce, Nothing is normal because in my opinion, divorce is a whole catalyst for change, but there's so much involved. And my job as being um, a certified divorce coach and a credentialed mediator is to make sure that you're going through the process to maintain your dignity, make better choices and create your new future that is comfortable and more established so that you can live with ease. And Patricia's got that magic. So I would love you to start with how you got to be an expert in this field, 
and why you do what you do. Tell us a little bit of your backstory. Well, my backstory is probably not that unfamiliar with a lot of other women. Um, I was working at a um, uh, sort of like a high power job. I was a management consultant for a big five accounting firm, traveling all over the country and basically telling people what to do, which I loved. You know, it's like, it's like how fun is that, you know, to, to go into companies and tell them what to do. Uh, and but that had its that that took a toll on my marriage. But to be honest, my marriage had already sort of ended before that. And this was my sort of like uh, escape thing, if you will, is to get this job and to to really take off there. Uh, so uh, long story short, uh, my husband, we were living on the East Coast. He got a job on the West Coast and uh, we decided that we would give this one more shot to see if maybe a change of venue would, would really help our marriage. And so I moved to the West Coast and within a year or so, we figured it wasn't going to work. And so there I was in this situation with uh, basically no job at the time. And I, all of my friends were on the East Coast, so I didn't have a lot of, lot of friends there. And so the thing that happened was that I thought, you know, all this time I'd been contributing to our retirement plan and our investments. And I just knew that, okay, I wouldn't have a husband, I wouldn't have friends and a job at the moment, but I would have money so that I could really decide what to do next with my life. So as we're sitting there at the settlement table, I suddenly realized we have no money. <laughs> he has lost all of our money. So uh, yeah, that was like the trifecta of, you know, of things right there. And I did, I lost it. I, I had to take a, a two week sabbatical just to pull my head together. And once I did that, I decided I will be a financial advisor. And my, my whole thinking behind that was, is that I needed to learn how to manage my money. I could get another job and I could make more money, but I could also find myself in that same position all over again. Mm -hmm. And so I decided I had to learn how to manage my money. And so that began my career as a, uh, as a financial advisor. And I've really worked in all aspects of that. But one of the things that I learned as I was really starting to, be, to work in the field was that a lot of women were in the same boat that I was in. They didn't understand money. They didn't know what to do or how to do that or anything like that. And so at that point, I decided I've got to do something education-wise. This is, I can't, you know, now that I have this, I need to share it. So I started writing and giving seminars and things like that. And um, one of the, and you mentioned my book earlier, that's one of the things that came out of that because it's like, you know, I, people have to understand and women especially have to understand in going through divorce that money is so important. It is, divorce itself is a business transaction and you kind of sort of have to find a way. And I'm sure that Paulette is really good at helping you get your head together in that sense in understanding that this is not the place to be emotional because this is really at the end of the day business. And I understood that. I learned that lesson really quickly when I found that I didn't have any money. So when you don't have it, then, then you begin to understand, oh dear, I made some big mistakes along the way. So that's really the whole, the whole way I got started and the things that I do. And, and now I work with women in terms of just taking them on, a, I call it a journey to financial independence. 
you know, no matter where you're starting, you know, there's so many, so many levels or, or slots along the way, milestones that you go through to get to true financial independence or financial freedom. But there's a lot of places, you know, that you start and go through. And that's really the way that I do. I start where you're at and we just take that journey wherever we need to go to get you to be okay and to eventually have financial freedom. Oh, beautifully summarized because I know that there are a lot of women out there listening to you, nodding their head. Me, I was waving at you, but you know, waving, nodding, whatever, cheerleading, high-fiving, doing the whatever dance in the kitchen. You know, we can all relate to that feeling of, oh, it's it's scary. I don't really understand it. I think I can balance my checkbook, but now that we have debit cards, it kind of does it for us and makes us really lazy, right, ladies, right? You're like, oh, let me find out how much money I have. You go to your app, you're like, okay, $1,342.92. Okay, well, there, you know, whatever it is, you know, um, we just get apathetic. And naturally, as young women, and now there are many, many financial female gurus out there, you being one of them, but I don't think, you know, culturally and societally, we grow up, um, in, in whatever your family situation is growing up, usually mom has her role, dad has his role. In my family, my mom was an entrepreneur and, and was a very fastidious um, uh, bookkeeper. And my grandmother was uh, even more fastidious than her. So I grew up in a unique situation, but my dad, anytime we um, went out, he would always take the little cocktail napkin, turn it over, whip out his pen and figure out on the napkin, unless he had paper, which was rare, um, he would figure out exactly how much money he spent that day, down to the penny. It would be annoying as a six-year-old, like, daddy, what are you doing? But, and I learned. So I unfortunately um, didn't continue that passion and found myself in a marriage where I kind of liked the fact that he took care of it. Um, and I never really made much of an effort and never really looked at the tax returns and kind of just trusted the situation. And I myself don't find myself as a unicorn. I find myself as more of the norm, right? In that situation, when we grow up, you've got what, what you saw mom and dad do. And of course it's different for all of us. And then when you get in a relationship, you're like, oh, is it supposed to be the same? And unless you're the type of woman that goes and gets her master's in finance and becomes a CPA or somebody's really uh, interested in that type of thing, we kind of just go on with life. And, and unfortunately, you end up in a situation maybe like yourself where you're sitting there at the uh, uh, legal table where you realize, as you said, and I quote, we don't have any money. Um, that's shocking and scary to me. And I'm so sorry you went through that. But look where you are now. And this is your mission to help others. And I honor and, you know, respect that. Let's go back a little bit though. Like, so that you mentioned earlier that you, the marriage was already ended. Like the marriage had already ended before it ended. Who else can relate to that, right? I bet everyone else is high-fiving us. Um, and maybe not everybody has that feeling, but there's that internal voice. So what was that aha moment that you had that made you know, like, uh-oh, like this isn't, this isn't good. How did you know it was ending before it had ended? What was the feeling like? Well, it's, it's, um, we were just growing apart. Our interests were becoming so different. You know, I was, uh, I was interested in growing and learning and doing things. Um, you know, finally I had, 
my time. It was my turn as, as what I was, what I was thinking. The kids were gone. So it was my turn to, to begin to go out and do things that I couldn't do before or didn't have the, the time or the bandwidth to do before. And, uh, he was more interested in, in a, a totally different, totally different side of things. He was wanting to revert to just being, you know, me being the dutiful housewife or something. And I was like, I can't do that. That's not me. You know, it's not, that's not who I am at this moment in time. I'm ready to, I'm ready to go, you know, kind of thing. So it was, we were growing apart in that, in that sense. And uh, so I knew that wasn't going, that wasn't going to work. There was no way that, that I could get to where I wanted to go and him be happy for me doing that. That lack of congruency where I'm living my life, you're living your life. Mm -hmm. I'm on the West wing, you're on the East wing, you know, we're kind of living parallel lives. And there's a little bit of that like treading water feeling and an ambivalence with the relationship. You're not really moving forward. You're not really moving back, but you're kind of just stagnant. And what do we say? Status quo. And it is what it is. But that's that feeling that many people feel like when I ask them, like, can you put your finger on it? Was there a day? Was there a conversation? Was there a moment? And for some, there absolutely are where they feel like they got struck by lightning, whether it's a revelation or something happened. But I find that the majority of the time, it's just as you beautifully stated, that you were just slowly growing apart, right? And sometimes we notice it and sometimes we don't. You said something also that was really powerful. You said that money and is so important, particularly because divorce is a business transaction. And I have to, have to agree with you. So many people see that as an emotional transaction, that it's an emotional, mental, even psychological, physical separation. And it is. We have to really honor that, that it's, there's so many layers of ourselves as human beings and particularly as women, particularly if we are mothers and we're very nurturers and all that, we see ourselves as that emotional person. But when it comes down to it, and the law is the law where it states that, you know, here are the marital assets and here are the liabilities. Um, what is the division of them? And all of a sudden, everyone gets silent and confused and overwhelmed and it becomes shocking that what do you mean divorce is a business transaction and they almost get like offended that you start like oh sorry I didn't mean to break the news to you so so how do you think we can approach separating uh not cutting it down with scissors, you know, separating, but how do you, what is the best when somebody comes to you and they're full of grief or anger, frustration or sadness, and you start to work with them through the financial parts of it? Do you, do you, what advice do you give to them about try to, trying to separate the emotional from the logistical, from the finances? Well, one of the things that's, that's really important is for them to, number one, begin to see their future. You know, what does your future look like? And then we start to calculate, well, what does that cost to live the future that you want? And so slowly we go through this process of them understanding how important it is, how money, how important money is to the decisions that they make during their divorce. Because in so many instances, the things that they think they want at the moment 
are not the things that are going to get them to where they need to be in the future. So for example, you know, and, and, and I'm not sure how far you go in the process, but sometimes I help, I used to, I used to do a lot of what you do in terms of working with people going through a divorce. And we would sit down and we would go through this process of what it is that you need to do to get to where you want to go. The hardest thing for somebody to see who's going through a divorce generally is the future, what that looks like, because they're always, there's two of us. Now there's one of, you know, now there's me and then there's another, another one. And the thing of it is, is how the pot is now basically halved. So how can you get to where you want to go with less money or being able to negotiate to get more money? or something else out of the whole process. And so it becomes this whole thing of thinking about where you want to go, what you need to, to have, to possess, to do, to give up, to get to where you want to go. And sometimes that's not, those are not easy choices, but once you understand about, once you set that goal in your mind, then in many cases you can work out that settlement. So that's gonna help you hit the ground running versus being far behind in what you're doing. Mm. Beautifully put, I have to agree. And I even see it going to a little bit more of a, a level where as you ask them, um, and how far do I go? I mean, from very beginning to very end, um, dating, career, you know, everything from, uh, nobody knows it, but I think I want a divorce 10 years before they even have told anyone to, to like going, I'm getting remarried. So the whole thing. But there's that feeling of um, not even knowing what they want. So when you ask them, paint me a picture of where you want to be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, they have that deer in the headlight look, you know, that <gasps> gasp of like the mouth opens and they start drooling and foaming at the mouth. And like, <gasps> that's so scary, you know, of the yeah. thinking of the unknown, what that looks like, because they're still holding on to what was. Yes. and looking into the future. But you have to start with that and reverse engineer it a bit, correct? Yes, you do. You have to figure out, it, yeah, it's the whole, it's, it, and it's understanding in many cases when uh, women go through a divorce, they sometimes end up with more money than they've ever seen in their whole lives. And so it's, it's like, it's, it's understanding that number one, you need to have a plan of what's going to happen. I've seen women get divorce settlements and then take all of their friends on, on cruises and trips and things like this. And really within a year, all their money is gone, you know, when they get a settlement. So it's really understanding and having somebody really, when I, when I used to work with clients, I would tell them, give me the gun, let me take the bullets out so that when you shoot yourself, you don't hurt yourself because you're going to do it because there's so many things, your emotions, send you on this roller coaster. And then you're looking at money is kind of abstract in a sense to them because they've never managed it in many cases. And so it's an abstract concept. And so, yes, I have the money, and but the things I want to do, it's going to take me maybe a couple of years to get my life back on track the way I want it to be in a job that I want. All the different things that are going on, getting the kids back in school. There's tons of things that have to happen at that same time. And so having somebody, I think, is really an essential thing uh, to help them go along this journey because it's really hard. And there's so many decisions that come at you so fast 
that it's really almost impossible to really get through it and get through it in a way that you come out as at least a winner, a part winner in the whole process. Being an author, I'm sure you have written many different um, approaches to this. Um, I haven't read the book, but it's on my list. Okay. Uh, approaches to, um, you, you know, this awareness, right? This kind of awakening. And I do believe that one of those things of not only finding out what you want, but also knowing what you don't want. There's a sort of peeling away of what a priority used to be. Um, the Mercedes, I think now it's a Tesla, but we can blame it on anything. Uh, the shoes, the, the, the jewelry, like you said, the cruise, the, you know, all the accoutrements of like what we see as a luxury and success. And before you know it, you're sitting in this big, big ass house with all this stuff alone going, I don't really want this stuff. So, um, and I never really wanted it, but I felt like I needed it because isn't that what we're supposed to do? And I see a lot of women realizing like it's, it's a little bit of an awakening of simplification and peeling away and letting go of what used to be the list of things they think they wanted. And what's on that new list? The list may be shorter and broader or deeper with, like you said, self-development, education, more deeper connections and really making um, a different uh, carving out a different future that you had never even conceptualized was a possibility. But I'm sure that you see a lot of common mistakes. What are the most egregious or worst mistakes that you often see women make? Um, one of the top mistakes that I see women make is keeping the house. They really get sold on that house. I have to stay here. I have to keep the kids in school you know, in the same school or because all of my friends live in the neighborhood, you know, there's, there's all kinds of reasons that they give for this. But in many cases, they're not, number one, able to keep the house because it's too much of a, of a burden financially for them. Uh, and in other cases, it, it puts that burden on them so they can't get on with their lives. You know, they've got this big mortgage payment or something, and so you don't have money if you need to go back to school, if you need to really just take some time to get, you know, to get yourself together, if you need to do other things. And so in many cases, that's probably one of the biggest ones I see them making is keeping that house when it is not the best solution for them. Oh, I agree with you. Um, part of me wants to scream, what are you doing? And then, but I understand, you know, the, the connection that we feel and women tend to be a little bit more sentimental about um, memorabilia and reminiscing and feeling that sense of nostalgia of the Christmas tree or, you know, whatever that image is of, oh, well, I can't disturb what used to be, but it's a whole new world. And I'm not in any way saying that you shouldn't keep the house if, if you can afford it and you like to clean gutters um, and you know how to fix light bulbs and uh, garbage disposals and are you getting my drift ladies? But if you're not that kind of chick, you know, you're not a Renaissance woman, um, then really maybe a 3000 square foot house that's empty and lonely and cold and expensive is more of a psychological longing than a smart financial one. So yeah, Patricia's spot on with that one. Well, how can women find you, learn about you, work with you, 
buy your book? Like who, you know, tell them how the easiest, best way to find you and learn more about you. Well, the best way to find me is to just go to my website, which is patriciastalworth.com. So you can go there and uh, there's all kinds of resources there. You can, you can buy the book there. You can buy it on Amazon or other places. And uh, you can also get other resources. For example, if you go there, I have something that I call the Financial Independence Starter Kit. And those are just basic things that you need to do to get started on your journey to financial independence. So you can download that and uh, that'll give you tons of information. I always offer um, anyone a complimentary call if they wanna just sit down and talk about some of their issues that they have. So you can sign up for that on my website. So everything at, at patriciastalworth.com is a great place to go. And um, if I could just say one more thing about in terms of mistakes, Yes. It's not managing your attorney. It's letting your attorney manage you. And so that's one of the things that the book does is it gives you information so that you can begin to take control of that process. Because in many cases, your attorney will come back to you and say, look what I've got for you. I got the house for you. You know, and we were just saying in some cases, that's not the best thing for you, but you need to know that so that you can tell him or her, that's not what I want. That's mm -hmm. not what I need. And so that's one of the things that the book will, will sort of take you through is beginning to see exactly what it is you want and your need, you need in your specific situation. Mm. Yes, I see that mistake a lot. One of my uh, favorite little tips is to say, stop sending needless emails to your attorneys. You're gonna get two or $3,000 bill, just like, hey, how are you? What's up? How's it going? Like, no. <laughs> call the office, ask the secretary if they're present. If they are, great. If not, you know, it, it, that didn't cost a dime. Just keep it simple. Yeah, it's managing the attorney versus letting them manage you. Brilliant. And I have to say, give me the gun. Let me take the bullets out. So when you shoot yourself, you don't hurt yourself. That is just the quote of the day. Um, I know there's a little humor to that behind, but um, uh, we have to be careful with talking about humor with guns. But yes, I, I a politically correct word. I hope a world everyone doesn't find offense to that. But you know, we. I mean, what did that little saying we say? Don't shoot yourself in the foot. You know, it's it's just a little saying that probably is it, something I would have. My parents absolutely. My mother would have absolutely said that to me. But um, she was the most least politically correct human being I've ever met. But without that said, I really love your, I want to say your, your theme song, your catch phrase, your, you know, your tagline is, if you don't mind your money, someone else will. Yes. And then they will control your future. Correct. Yeah. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation with Patricia and myself. Thank you, Patricia, for your time, your expertise. Please, everybody, check out her book. Um, it is um, definitely on my, my list, How to Divorce Without Losing Your Blouse. Thank you for joining us. Until next time, and no matter what, keep thriving in the chaos. Thanks for tuning in. And make sure if you want to talk to us or ask us questions, you can always email us at thrivinginchaos.com podcast at gmail.com. See you next week.